0: Welcome to the Mariners podcast from Sports Ethos, your place for worldwide sports coverage. I'm your host, Tino Ganassius. You can find me on Twitter at TinoJr20 and the podcast at Ethos Mariners. Today, we're going to cover uh, the first few rounds of the Mariners uh, MLB draft. Uh, we'll go through where those players slot kind of in the depth chart in the farm system. Obviously, they're going to be starting at the bottom of the farm system, but What does this mean to Mariners depth? What does this mean philosophically for the Mariners as far as roster building? And then where do the Mariners have some surplus uh, from which they can deal to improve the team for uh, this season? So the Mariners picked 22nd, 29th, and 30th uh, in the first, I guess what you could call the first round. Uh, They got a compensatory pick at 30. That was... uh, that was a compensatory a pick the 29th pick I believe was for uh, Julio Rodriguez winning the rookie of the year last year so the Mariners picked three times in the top 30 a lot of fun I'll go back to the fact that I wish that uh, baseball teams could trade their picks I think it would make the draft a lot more exciting for the fans but that said uh, this was a I think a big boost for the Mariners system, and uh, they may have struck gold on a couple of these picks. So let's get started. Uh, The first pick the Mariners made was at 22. They picked Colt Emerson. Uh, He is a 6'1", 195-pound left-handed bat who is currently listed as a shortstop. The belief is that if he doesn't stick at short, he may potentially uh, become a third baseman um typically a player like this of this size could also play second base i think uh, in a pinch or you could teach him second base potentially emerson was a fast riser late in the uh the pre-draft process he's still only 17 years old um age matters a ton in most baseball uh major league baseball uh talent models He was ranked 29th by MLB pipeline coming into the draft. He was an Auburn commit. He's a high schooler, obviously at 17 out of Ohio. Uh, MLB pipeline rated his hit tool, a 60, his power, a 50 run, 55 field, 50 and overall 50. Uh, the easy comp with Colt Emerson is Cole young, the Mariners first round pick last season or last year. Uh, definitely looks like a high floor but lower ceiling type of player i think emerson could grow into some power uh it's easy to say about most high schoolers but uh he has the type of swing that is he's got a really pretty left-handed swing and oftentimes with a a consistent repeatable uh pretty swing without hitches without holes Those types of bats can can learn how to hit the ball in particular places at a particular path. I think of players like uh, Marcus Simeon, who had a 45 home run season now. Granted, he was playing in Toronto, and they played in Dunedin, Florida for a bit. So those numbers are a little bit inflated that season. But nevertheless, Marcus Simeon is a home run hitter playing second base. Uh, He does not hit the ball very hard. He hits the ball down the left field line and um, up in the air. That's the kind of thing that if you have the type of uh, hand-eye coordination and strength that uh, a Marcus Simeon has that a Colt Emerson could potentially possess, you can teach them how to hit home runs despite lower um, exit velocities. Another player that does something similar is Alex Bregman, who's a perfect fit for uh, the Crawford boxes in left field in Houston. He does the same thing Simeon does, which is get, get out in front of the ball, repeatable swing, great hand-eye coordination, and he's able to hit the ball down the left field line for home runs. So you could see that from someone like Emerson because of his athleticism, because of the repeatability of his swing. He's not a twitchy player, right? He's not explosive. He's not that exciting, you know, 65-70 run and, and 65 raw power sort of player. He might you know, if his hit tool isn't a 60, he could be one of those 55s across the board type of player, like just slightly above average um, with every tool. I could see him being a uh, very consistent, say, 15 homer, 15 steal, 18 homer, 18 steal uh, type of player. It's interesting to me that out of the box, um, the Mariners took a a player that is that I would consider to be high floor, but have a little bit uh, lower ceiling. Um, now, the ceiling you could question maybe because uh, he is he doesn't turn 18 until the 20th of, of this month. And with those younger players, typically uh, they're upside maybe a little higher than uh, at first glance. Cam Collier comes to mind, the Cincinnati Reds first round pick. Last year, Cam Collier played uh, community college ball, high-level community college ball at 16 years old and was picked at 17, like an, a young 17. Uh, so Emerson, again, good for the model in that he's young. Uh, the Cole Young comp, I think, is is apt in some ways. I think he's a little stronger than Cole Young uh, physically. But again, like a 55s across the board type of player, very safe pick, Um in my opinion, despite the fact that he is a a high schooler, I expect Colt Emerson to be a major leaguer. I think his floor as a major leaguer is a utility, strong side, platoon, utility bat. But uh, he could become, you know, a 280, uh, like I said, 15 to 18 home run with some speed. I don't think he's an all-star, um, but you get great value if you can find a regular major league bat um, at the 22nd pick. Next with the 29th pick, pick the Mariners took Johnny Farmello, who is a, also a left-handed bat, right-handed outfielder, probably projects as a center fielder as of right now, athletic dude, uh, 6'2", 205, another riser late in the draft process, ranked 39th by MLB Pipeline and 45th by Baseball America. Uh he was a Vir- university of Virginia commit out of a Virginia high school. Uh, you look at him at the, co- at the MLB combine and the dude is, is just yoked, right? Not in the, in the muscle bound sort of way, but in the like sinewy strong, very little body fat athlete. You could see him playing linebacker. You could see him playing wide receiver. Um, just a, a athletic dude. Uh, Pipeline has his hit as a 50, power 50, run 60, field 50, overall 50. Uh, In my opinion, from what I saw from him, uh, you know, short swing, strong hit tool, um, fast. I think he's going to get faster. He was a shortstop uh, previously to moving to center field, just an athlete. So I think the upside with Farmelo is higher than it is with Emerson. Uh, one comp that was being thrown around during the draft was Christian Yelich. Uh, I think Yelich is 6'4, and so the the height is a little bit different. Um, hopefully Farmello doesn't hit as many ground balls as Christian Yelich does. But uh, I love a short swing, right? I'm a sucker for a short, compact swing that's that no, understands that it's strong, that understands that there's um ability to hit the ball out and all you got to do really is make good contact Pete Alonso has a short swing not the same swing as Farmelo obviously but when I think of shorter swings with power I think of like a Pete Alonso type of swing um so Farmelo is interesting in that again that he's an athlete they did play shortstop um that he has a short a shorter uh swing he again he swings left-handed just like Emerson does but a little more upside I think a little more floor um, the, uh, the range of outcomes for Johnny Farmello, I think is wider than it is for, for, uh, Colt Emerson. The Mariners picked again at 30. Uh, they picked Ty Pete, who was the 53rd ranked prospect by MLB Pipeline. Uh, this was your prototypical upside pick, in my opinion. Um, so Ty Pete, is 6'2, 193, uh, out of Georgia, high schooler, obviously, shortstop, bats left handed as well. He was a Georgia Tech commit. Um, he is a power over hit currently, uh, as far as his, um, his tools go. Pipeline has his hit as a 45. His, uh, or excuse me. Yeah. His hit as a 45, his power as a 55, his speed 60, arm 60, field 55, overall 50. So his overall is the same as the other two guys, uh, that I spoke of previously, but he's as extreme floor and ceiling as, uh, as I think you will find. Um, he's fun. I really, uh, I'm really excited about about Ty Pete and his, his upside. So he was a pitcher uh, last year, last summer, and he was getting up to 95. And then he basically walked off the mound on an East coast uh, showcase in August with an injury. That's never really been clarified. Obviously the Mariners would, um, you know, get the medicals on Ty Pete and to make the decision that they wanted to take him with the 30th pick. So I wouldn't worry too much about the elbow. I don't think he's going to pitch anymore um, unless he doesn't, he doesn't pan out as a hitter, but just explosive all around athlete uh, plus speed plus strength. i um, another guy you could see playing multiple sports, just looking at him. He has the, because he's six uh, some people were saying even six, three, you could see him moving to third base uh in the future, you could certainly see him in center field as far as his speed and arm go. Um, if he gets big enough, maybe even a right fielder. But Ty Pete's an athlete, and I think this was a lottery ticket. It looks to me as if the Mariners just said, you know, we have a third pick in the top 30 because of Julio. Um, this is we're gonna take one guy in Emerson who's safe, who's pretty safe. Uh is gonna provide value. We're gonna take one guy in Farmello who just looks to be uh, just an athlete who has baseball pedigree. Um, you know, I think Farmello's upside may not even be that of Typeete, at least athletically, but an upside play with a floor that's not at the basement, right? Whereas Typeete is like basement floor, attic ceiling, just as wide as the range, ranges could be, but is it could be a dude, right? You could be talking about him as a star Um, He is the pick of the Mariners that I'm most excited about in the top 30, uh, just because it's fun to root for guys like that. So Ty Pete, again, 17 years old, won't be 18 until August uh, 11th. So Mariners are obviously following that model of picking younger players. Um, Their model tends to value that, it looks like. Uh, So those are the top three. Mariners took three left-handed bats at 22, 29, and 30 two of them middle infielders, one of them a center fielder, definitely playing that up the middle uh, game that a lot of the the major league organizations play where you say, if I can pick a player that is starting at a premium defensive position, if they grow, if they can't play it, at least we will get some value if they move down a l- the spectrum just a little bit. If Emerson is a second baseman or a third baseman, so be it, right? You you need those positions as well. He's starting at shortstop. There's nothing wrong with his de- defense as of now. The Mariners just may have another shortstop who's better defensively or a better fit. Farmello is a center fielder as of right now. He runs like a center fielder. He is a, I would say, slightly above average, projects to be a slightly above average center fielder. However, he's you look at his, at his build and you could see him putting on more muscle, right? He could be 6'2", 225 by the time he's a major leaguer. If he makes it, you might have to put him in a corner, right? He might be, that might be right for his offense, for his swing, but that might not be right or limber enough to play um the kind of center field that the Mariners may want so Farmelo may move to left or right, but he's starting as a center fielder. So so far, you have a dude starting at shortstop in Emerson, a dude started starting starting at center field in Farmelo, and in Taipei, you got somebody starting at shortstop who could move to, to center field, which is another premium position, but also could certainly move to third base or corner outfield. So Mariners organization pretty clear what it is that they're trying to do with those premium talents. Um, left-handed bats. It looks like that. They see that as a need when you look at their, uh, some of the players in their system currently that are a of value uh, offensively. There are uh, they're okay balance righty and lefty, but obviously they're valuing left-handed bats and picking three of them. Uh, or it might just be the talent that they like the most and they didn't pay attention. I'm not sure, but, in any case, three left-handed bats up the middle, two shortstops and a center fielder. Next, they picked at 92. Uh, the Mariners picked right-handed pitcher Teddy McGraw. He was the 84th-ranked player by MLB Pipeline. McGraw uh, was a pitcher at Wake Forest. He is uh, was considered – so Wake Forest, for those who don't know, was – Basically the number one team in college baseball this season. They've got what they call a pitching lab where, you know, there's a lot of pitch design, working with pitchers, are doing a lot of science with pitching. Rhett Louder was picked in the top 10 um by the Reds in this draft, uh, number six overall. Uh oh, not six. I think he was picked eighth overall, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but definitely producing pitching at Wake Forest. They know what they're doing. So And McGraw, coming into the season, perhaps projected as the number one starter for Wake Forest. So what happened? Uh, He had a busted elbow. So he had TJ in in 2019 in high school. Then again, he he didn't have TJ this season, but he had the internal brace um, surgery, which is essentially like... A second ish TJ. It's not quite as invasive, I don't believe, but it's still pretty uh pretty bad. So he missed the season uh in twenty-three, but he was projected as a first round pick coming into the season. So if you believe that his health is coming back, you've got an absolute steal at 92 with Teddy McGraw. He's six three, two ten. He's twenty one years old. Um he throws so he's got fastball, slider, changeup as of right now. Uh, before the internal brace surgery and the injury in 23, before this season, he was sitting um, mid-90s and uh, topping out at 98, kind of in the, the 93 to 95 area, topping out at 98. He's got a lot of uh, two-seam action on his fastball. Um, the slider is a two-plane slider that uh, is in mid, mid-80s currently. The changeup has a lot of downward movement. Um, he does not have a ton of control as of right now. He did walk 5.8 batters per nine innings in his first two seasons at Wake Forest. But you're talking about a dynamite arm um, that fell because of uh, injury history. Now, obviously, that's a huge risk. We've all seen what hap- what's happened to, say, the, the Tampa Bay Rays this year. They take a lot of risks on arms that have had surgery or multiple surgeries, multiple Tommy Johns. And sometimes they pay off. Sometimes you get 40 great innings from a reliever, and then their arms busted for a year and a half. Um, that is a risk that it looks like the Mariners were taking with Teddy McGraw. I'm good with that. I uh, was surprised that they didn't take a picture until they took McGraw at ninety two but that said um it is a i think a risk worth taking uh I'm excited about it. We'll get into in a minute. We'll get into the fact that uh that the mariners in my mind it is very interesting that the Mariners are taking pictures with a very similar profile to uh Brian Wu and um, in some ways, Bryce Miller. I did, uh, real quickly, so fastball slider changeup from pipelines are all 55s, uh, control 45, overall 45 currently. Uh, Could you argue he has more upside than louder? You can. um, I don't think that that's a realistic possibility, but the, the ceiling is certainly there. So I glanced over the fact that the Mariners took Ben Williamson a third baseman out of William & Mary uh, at in the second round at 57 overall. He is a fourth-year senior. What does that mean in the draft? It means that they don't have any uh, leverage in bargaining, right? So you pick a senior because you're trying to save money to sign a player that you believe is going to ask for more money than their draft slot value uh, dictates, and so Williamson is clearly a, a pick that um, was made to save money to sign someone else. Typically, those guys are high schoolers that you're trying to keep away from uh, going to college. Both McGraw and Williamson are fourth-year seniors, uh, as is Brock Roden and Brody Hopkins, who are the picks in the fifth and sixth round. So clearly, the Mariners were going after super high upside – Oh, sorry, excuse me, they were fourth-year juniors – as is McGraw. Um, But the Mariners are clearly going after upside uh, with high schoolers, big, big, big upside and some signability with the, uh, um, with the college players. So Williamson is people were comping him in some ways to like Tyler Locklear because they're both coming out of um, non power five schools, uh, both kind of, uh, slow-footed, right-handed hitting uh, third baseman who may move to first base, but with a good hit tool. Williamson's got real pop. He's got real pop. And while I don't think he is a second-round talent, he wasn't in the the pipeline top 150 or top 250, I believe. Um, He still is a he's a hitter. And uh, I think the Mariners saw what they got with Locklear and are trying to do something similar with Williamson. Um, he's going to move quickly. Uh, I believe he's 22, 23 or 23 years old. Excuse me. I can look that up. 22 years old right now. Um, but he's going to move quickly. If his bat uh, to ball skill is great and he's got some power in that bat, then you're looking at a steal. Uh, but that was the Mariners' second-round pick in 57th overall and Ben Williamson out of William & Mary. Uh, Aiden Smith was their fourth-round pick, 124 overall. He was actually 78th ranked by Pipeline. He's a right-handed hitting outfielder out of Texas. He's 6'3", 190, uh, big strapping young kid. Uh, Mississippi State commit, that's a baseball factory. He's hit over power approach as of right now. And a center fielder could grow into a corner outfielder. Um, He's got the size too. And the idea is that if he learns how to hit and learns how to get the bat to ball first, the power will come as he gets stronger. Um, His senior year, they started to see more power come uh, with that type of approach. So Aiden Smith, I think is one of the players that the Mariners are trying to sign for more money than slot. Uh, He is part of why they might try to save on a guy like Williamson, but Aiden Smith is an athlete, and he'll be interesting to watch. Uh, again, right-handed bat out of Texas, 6'3", 190, Mississippi State commit. Uh, pick 160, which was the fifth round, is Brock Rodden, shortstop out of Wichita State, uh, fourth-year junior, 5'9", 170, he's a switch hitter. He's from Oklahoma. He was a third-team All-American. Doesn't strike out much, draws walks. Uh so you see that you see switch hitter you see the size that's basically my size 5'9 170 um you think okay like utility infielder maybe moves to second base because of the size but he's posted 110 plus max exit velocities what does that mean it means that he's got some thunder in his bat that you wouldn't associate with that type of size um so he's a guy who I think his floor is that of a if he does make the major leagues it's that of a you know a utility guy but if those evs are for real and they translate with the wood bat you might be looking at a better player than um, what the 160th pick overall says keep an eye on brock rodden he's going to be a fun player to watch uh and then the next round in the fifth the mariners or sixth they uh, 187 overall they took Brody hopkins out of Winthrop, South Carolina. Uh, Hopkins is 6'4", 200 pounds, right-handed pitcher. Uh, Two-seam fastball or fastball with a lot of sink, slider, and changeup. Those in the mid-90s already. Uh, He's been a two-way player. What's interesting about him is, so this moves me into talking about let's start with the pitchers that the Mariners took. So they took Teddy McGraw, right-handed pitcher out of Wake Forest. Uh, fastball with some sink slider changeup, and injury history, but the number one Wake Forest pitcher coming into the year and Brody Hopkins uh, similar in size six, four uh, sinking mid nineties, fastball slider and changeup. up. Uh, I have in my notes, multiple has been two way. So, You look at – it's clear the Mariners have a formula, which is we can take a moldable arm that throws a mid-90s fastball or even a low-90s fastball, add some velocity. If it has sync, we can teach them how to throw the four-seamer up in the zone. But they've got to have a breaking ball like a slider – and we hope that they have some sort of changeup that they can throw to left-handers. And if they're a right-handed pitcher, I say that because that's the model of both Bryce Miller and Brian Wu. Miller has that elite spin four-seamer that he throws up. He can throw it down too. He's got the slider, the gyro, and the sweeper. He hasn't thrown much of a change up yet, but it's clear that they helped him harness that fastball and taught him that fastball. And he's able to use that um, the majority of the time. Brian Wu is even more the model of the pitchers that I see the Mariners taking in this draft where Wu throws a four-seamer and a sinker. Now it's kind of at the same frequency um, as I talked about in his last start. So, And it's similar to even a, a George Kirby where Kirby will throw the sinker up in the zone uh, as a two-seamer, so that it tails into right-handed hitters. So you don't know with Wu, it's coming at you at 96, and you don't know if it's a, if it's a true four-seamer or if it's going to break in on your hands as a right-handed hitter. That's a huge strength. Now, if you got a cutter or with him a cutter right now, but a a slider or a sweeper to go along with that, it's it's game over for right-handed hitters. Is which is what we've seen with the averages, uh, right-handed averages against Brian Wu. So Miller and Wu have that fastball that the Mariners helped kind of touch up and become a finished product. And they both have a breaking ball or a slider that has been very effective, at least in the minor leagues. Now you look at, it's exactly how I described uh, Teddy McGraw, right? Teddy McGraw, mid, sitting mid-90s, um, sinking fastball. Mariners believe they can teach one of the two if they have the velocity and some of the movement already there. And a two plane slider, Brody Hopkins, same thing two-seam fastball, mid nineties, um, has a slider that has a lot of break. And so they're not spending first and second round picks on these elite arms. They're looking for the moldable teachable arm in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth round, seventh round on to try to teach. I think it's cool. And I think it's smart. Um, So it's very clear that that is their approach. Uh, Some people talked about if Noble Noble Meyer, who went, I believe, 11th overall to the Marlins um, out of Portland, if he was available to the Mariners at 22, they would have taken him. And maybe they would have. But I think the Mariners are looking for bats early and looking for pitchers in the middle rounds because they believe in their, their teaching school. They believe... That they can mold pitchers with strong arms into the type of pitcher that fits their mold and their model. Um, I also think, as I said, that picking players that that are up the middle um, and you could move them later if you need to is very much uh, the approach of the Mariners. They took a, they took one, they took two center fielders and three shortstops in their first and then one-third baseman to save money in their first uh, five rounds. So pretty clear uh, philosophy, pretty clear approach from the Mariners. Um, Real quickly, I want to look at the Mariners organizational depth chart. Uh, What I did in this exercise was I put down players in their organization that I think are um, seen as uh, longer-term assets, right? It's not the player that might come up for one year and then go back down. It's a player who is being developed to be a part of the Mariners moving forward. It's a player who you might see getting through at least their first six years of uh, Major League service with the Seattle Mariners, um, real assets to the organization. And then a couple at AAA that I think you might see for a year or two, like a Cooper Humble, Sam Haggerty, uh, Cade Marlowe, Zach Deloach type, who's not necessarily a real prospect, but someone who you might see in the majors for a year or two. So I did this exercise. I made a spreadsheet. I put the ages next to the players. I really wanted to see visually down the line, what does the Mariners depth look like at each position? And then I made it an additional um, chart that has how long each player is signed for at that position or how long the the Mariners have um, team control with the minor leaguers. It was just age and level. So Mariners clearly at catcher are good. Um, It's Cal Raleigh and uh, basically Cal Raleigh and Harry Ford moving forward. Uh, Tom Murphy is a free agent in 24. So the Mariners will, uh, You know, I think by the time we'll go with the Raleigh-Murphy platoon until Ford is ready, and at which point it'll be Ford and Cal Raleigh. Cal Raleigh's not a free agent until 28, so the Mariners would have probably four years of that platoon if they decide to. Cooper Hummel is there in case of emergency at first base. Ty France is uh, a free agent in 2026, so as long as he's producing with the bat, I think it's his position to hold... I've said before, I'd love to see them upgrade over Ty France because I think he's a slightly below-average offensive first baseman, but the Mariners seem to like him there. I do think you're going to see Tyler Locklear get a shot to play first base eventually. He's 22. He was the Mariners, I believe, second-round pick out of VCU in last season's draft, similar to Ben Williamson, but I think a better bat overall, a little more talented. Locklear has been raking in high A. So far this season, um, the Northwest league Everett. So we'll see. Uh, I would assume that you start to see him have opportunities probably at the end of next season, maybe in 25. And then the Mariners also have Lazaro Montes, who is only 18. He's been playing outfield, but he's a huge 6'7, 250 pounds slugger uh, from the left side. Uh, he's, he's kind of, probably four years away. So or at least three years away. So put him on the back burner, but keep his name in the back of your head. Um, middle infield. I'm going to group second and short together. The Mariners currently have uh, Colton Wong and Jose Caballero at second, along with Dylan Moore. I've beaten that horse dead a million times about what that platoon means. Uh, and then JP Crawford at short. Uh, Wong is a free agent in 24. uh Caballero they'll have until the end of his career. Basically is a free agent in 30 and then JP Crawford's uh, JP Crawford is a free agent in 27. So Mariners have co- team control stability at, in the middle infield. Um, but obviously they've spent a lot of draft capital and uh, international free agent money recently. Uh, they have Axel Sanchez in a ball. He's 20 and, um, He's got, a, I'd say, a league average bat, a good, a good defender. Uh, Michael Arroyo is in A-ball. Uh, he is 18 years old, um, also a shortstop. He actually has moved Cole Young to second base at times on that team. Um, talented player. You'll see him move up in the Mariners' top 10 pretty soon here. Uh Celestin, who I've talked about at length, uh, the Mariners' top international signing last year at 17 years old. He is a shortstop for now Uh, might be the best athlete in the Mariners minor league system. Uh, So he's the, he will be the shortstop of the future unless he moves off of short. And then, as I mentioned, Mariners have Ty Pete as well, who they just drafted Pete and Salison are the same age at 17. Um, So huge depth at short, I think, you know, you've got, Young at 19, but I call him kind of an old 19 years old. I think he's going to progress quickly. Axel Sanchez, as I said, is 20. You get another year or two from J.P. Crawford. By that point, he's 30 years old and kind of on the backside of his um, career. And you can either move Crawford to second if he's starting to decline at all. Or maybe he's a, you know, maybe he's even a utility uh, middle infielder for the Mariners if you've got multiple guys up the middle. But you're going to see... Cole Young come up pretty soon unless they trade him and Axel Sanchez will be on the way. So those two are kind of on that Locklear, I think time frame where you'd see them in at late 24 uh, at third, I actually put Colt Emerson at third, the Mariners first pick in this year's draft. Um, but Mariners don't have a lot in the system at third base, unless you consider Tyler Locklear a third baseman. Uh, I think his defense will probably move him closer to to first base. So on the corner, besides Locklear, I guess Williamson, the second round pick in this year's draft, Locklear and Williamson would be your two. Neither of them really get you too excited. I think uh, if you get a big league, an average big leaguer at a corner from one of those two, uh, you're happy. But I do think the Mariners anticipate one of the previously mentioned middle infielders uh, growing to a size where they can play third base instead of short. Um, But they're pretty set up in the infield as of right now, I think uh, pretty comfortable with a lot of those prospects. I do love the fact that they have so many middle infielders uh, with pedigree and talent in the outfield. You don't need much given the fact you've got Kelnick and uh, Julio. Tail will be a free agent uh, at the end of this season. Excuse me. I misspoke. When I talked about Tom Murphy, he is a free agent in 24. Colton Wong is a free agent in 24. tail Hernandez is a free agent in 24. So if you're not re-signing him, you're looking for another corner outfielder um, that could come via free agency. Uh, You could deem Jonathan class ready at that point. He'll probably, he'll be close to 22 years old. Um, He's in double a right now. I like the way that looks uh, you also have Cade Marlowe and Zach Deloach in AAA. I don't know that they're regulars in the major leagues, but you have them as well as Taylor Trammell. Uh, and then after class A, really, you got to go all the way down to Gabriel Gonzalez, who is in A ball. Um, he's 19 years old. He, as I said on the Miners podcast, um, when I did the Mariners top 10, he has the potential to be a top 25 overall major league prospect uh, before he comes up. So the talent is there but there's not a lot between him and class a and the major leagues. So either the Mariners are going to sign someone. They're either going to re-sign tail, sign someone to play a corner outfield, or you'll see Jonathan class a be given an opportunity to win a major league spot at the beginning of 24. Um, I'd love to see that as well as sign a big bat that could play first, third or DH. Um, and then you have Johnny Farmello who the Mariners picked 29th overall in this draft kind of side by side with Gabriel Gonzalez I think as far as his development goes pitching wise the mariners have used a lot of that minor league pitching depth uh in the majors this year you've seen uh both Bryce Miller and Brian Wu take spots in um the major leagues because of injuries to Robbie Ray and Marco Gonzalez and that's left the cupboard pretty bare at the top of the minor leagues Tyler Dollard is at best a fifth starter he's in triple a's 24 uh stuff is pretty um pedestrian. Uh Emerson Hancock, who was a former top ten number one or top ten first round pick of the Mariners, is twenty-four years old. He's in double A. He's been up and down. He's changed his approach quite a bit this season. Um Mariners are trying to get him to, I think, change the shape of his four seamer quite a bit. Uh but we'll see if it clicks. I do think he'll he'd have some trade value. And then the other double A pitcher is pre launder Barola. Uh, 23 years old, but the Mariners have been grooming him to be a uh, high leverage reliever. So, and then the next pitcher to speak of is Michael Morales, who's in a ball. He's 20. And then they have a pair of 18 year olds and a 17 year old and Walter Ford, Juan Pinto and Jeter Martinez in uh rookie ball. Um, all three of those pitchers have talent, but obviously you can't count on them at that age. So pitching cupboard is a little bare. Um, the depth isn't quite there that that you would want to see or expect. Uh, that's the place that I think you'll see the Mariners start to build again next. I would say they could use another outfielder in the system and then pick a lot of pitching. Uh, if they don't find some of that in this year's draft, I would expect them to go heavy in uh, next year's draft with those positions. So to end the pod, what does all this mean as far as um, the Mariners system and as far as what they can do uh, to trade, to find a bat in uh, at the deadline. I think the this draft has proven that the Mariners have a very defined developmental process. Um, As I've said, they pick players up the middle. You're looking for shortstops. You're looking for center fielders, athletes who might move off of the position, um, but athletes who are going to be uh, good defensively, And, um, and potentially as they put on strength or put on muscle, uh, may have to move off the position. So that's clear with the offense and pitching, as I've said, they're looking for pitchers with, you know, velocity and movement where they can teach one of the two fastballs. They've got to have a fastball and slider, I believe for the Mariners to be interested. But once you have those, Let's teach you the other fastball. Let's teach you the two-seamer if you're only throwing four-seam. Let's teach you how to elevate the four-seam if what you have is a sinking fastball currently. Um, and they believe in that process. You All you got to do is look at Kirby, Gilbert, Bryce Miller, and Brian Wu to say, you know what? The Mariners know what the hell they're doing with pitching, right? All four of those dudes came from the Mariners' system. Don't let me start again about ranking the Mariners system and saying that the Mariners don't know how to don't have a good minor league system and don't know how to develop 80% of your starting rotation, which is arguably the best rotation in baseball is, was developed in your minor leagues were draft picks of this organization and this regime. Um, so it's clear what they're doing with pitching. Expendable assets. Who's expendable. When I look at this team, um, As much as I love Celestan, I think any of the minor leaguers, really any minor leaguer in this system currently, I think the Mariners could afford to trade if they found exactly the bat that they wanted, right? That bat for me is Jorge Soler. I've beat that dead horse as well. If someone wanted Harry Ford, I would listen. I think that catching prospects are – very volatile. Um, The outcomes are very difficult to predict. There's a reason why you don't see high school catchers in particular picked very high. Um, It's scary. And the Mariners do have Cal Raleigh under team control until 2028. So if you needed to find a short side platoon catcher, it's not the most difficult thing to find to, uh, to pair with Cal Raleigh. So, If someone came calling for Ford, I think he's very talented. I really like him a lot as a player. I think he's a leader. I'm excited to see him as a mariner. You'd have to listen with the right bat. If someone came calling for Jonathan Classe, absolutely, you listen. I think there are some questions. Does he stay in center? Is his hit tool enough? Um, He's still talented. I still like him. I still think there's huge potential, but you have to listen on him. And then anyone else, you're talking about Freelander Baroa, a reliever in all likelihood. And then a bunch of 20-year-olds, right? Axel Sanchez, Michael Arroyo, Gabriel Gonzalez. I love those dudes. Lazaro Montes, Feldman Celestin, Cole Cole Young. I I like those guys as prospects. I think they are going to be very good. But those are the kinds of players you can't be afraid to trade at the deadline if that player is going to give you an opportunity to win a World Series. Um, Do you give up three of them? Not sure. Better be a damn good bat uh and then the one the one bat out of all of those that I would be um hesitant to deal is Celestin. I think he has the highest upside of any of the players in the mariners minor leagues um but again, you have to listen so so far, the Mariners' philosophy's been pretty clear, it's been a lot of fun to watch um super excited about the Mariners draft. Uh, again, you have safety, I think, in Colt Emerson, high floor, lower ceiling, Cole Young comp. Uh, you've got a little more, a little higher ceiling with Johnny Farmello, left handed bat, athlete, center fielder, moved off a shortstop, short left handed swing, Christian Yelich comp. And then you've got the lottery ticket in Ty Pete. Uh, just looks like a safety, you know, looks like a free safety, strength, speed, arm power throwing 95 out of high school super fun um players like this make me nervous right you're coming in with the lesser hit tool uh i i'm not a contact over power type of dude i don't i don't love the cleveland guardians approach but you want to see something there and as of right now uh it's more athlete than it is hitter so we'll see what happens with him and then with McGraw and uh, Hopkins, the two pitchers they took, it's just upside plays. And, you know, I don't think the Mariners are counting on either of those two for sure to be a part of the rotation at, in the way that they would picking a guy in the first round. But um, we'll see with those guys. So draft is super fun. Uh, I've enjoyed it. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. Uh, there's some background on those players kind of state of the Mariners organization with regards to their minor leagues and who they might be able to deal. Um, Thank you for listening to the Mariners cast. Uh, We are presented to you by sports ethos. Once again, you can find me I'm Tino Ganasius on Twitter at Tino junior 20 and the Mariners cast at ethos Mariners, E-T-H-O-S-M-A-R-I-N-E-R-S. Uh, enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. Enjoy that all-star game. It is uh, July 11th. Actually, before I go, I totally forgot to mention uh, the Julio Rodriguez performance in uh, the Home Run Derby. So, well, I sh- should have done this at the top instead of at the back. Um, Julio, man, Julio's winning the hearts of everybody uh nationally, internationally. I put up 41 home runs in uh in round one and totally stole the show. I know Vladdy won the home run derby and Julio basically swung himself um to exhaustion in that first round, but the show he put on was unlike anything I've ever seen in the home run derby. I, I it's wild that he goes to right center so much in game and everything he hit in the home run derby was uh left of center. Uh, I think it's like a, a tease as to what could happen if Julio can actually start to get out in front of the, in front of the pitch, uh, and hit it pull side. But man, like megawatt superstar is the only thing I can say when I see him, the smile, the charisma, the, like, it's an unbridled youth that an energy that is so cool to see. Um, You know, you hate to compare him to to Griffey, but it's a similar it's really cool that this generation of young people and Mariners fans get to experience what I did as a kid, right? I got to experience Ken Griffey Jr. There was nothing like it. You say that name, people smile. It doesn't matter if you're from Seattle or Pittsburgh or wherever, you say Ken Griffey Jr., people light up. They turn their hat backwards. They talk about him having the prettiest swing of all time. And it's an energy and a a, a positivity and an excitement. It's like your heart races because this was your dude. And he's just fun and cool. And Julio is bringing that same type of energy to Seattle and to baseball. You know, I I would have told you that it was blasphemous to – uh, compare any Seattle baseball player to Ken Griffey Jr. ever because of what he did for my childhood and for a lot of like a lot of the guys that I grew up with, a lot of the kids I grew up with. Um, and I would have told you that there's never going to be another Griffey in the same way that I will still tell you there'll never be a Michael Jordan, right? Compared to LeBron and Michael Jordan, it's not the same. It's absolutely not the same. You got to live through Jordan to understand why it's not the same. But I'm telling you, Julio can be the same as Griffey. He's that special. And in this home run derby, you felt it. He captivated. That stadium was in the palm of his hand, was absolutely in the palm of his hand. It absolutely erupted when he was done. And it's just cool. It's cool that baseball has that kind of energy in general for the game it's cool that it's a player from my city, right? He's in Seattle, his bat, the, the things he talks about. Like, its he's Seattle Mariners through and through. He's embraced the town in a way that we haven't seen in a long, long time. So treasure him uh, as, you know, Mariners fans or as someone who watches the Mariners pitch to pitch. We're just, we couldn't be more lucky to have him. Uh, as a part of the Seattle Mariners organization and be thankful, enjoy it. You know, parents, grandparents will talk about, you know, I saw Willie Mays. I got to go get Michael Jordan's autograph, skip school and go get Michael Jordan's autograph at Osborne and Euland in Seattle, which was an old, uh, an old sporting goods store when he was here for the All-Star game in Seattle. And I'll never forget it. Right. I was lucky enough to, to see him. I was lucky enough to watch Griffey in the Kingdom, And those who are in Seattle, getting to go to Mariners games, getting to sit in the no-fly zone, getting to interact with him at times <clears throat> when he's throwing baseballs into the stands, treasure that. Some kids don't ever get that opportunity. Imagine being an o- growing up in Oakland and being an A's fan. You might lose the team. And there hasn't been a star like that there in a long, long time right? Imagine being a, I don't know, being a Rangers fan. I hate the Rangers. Sorry. I shouldn't have said that, but I do. And who the Rangers big stars been Yvonne Rodriguez. No, like, yeah, I guess maybe he's a hall of famer, but he's no Julio. And and so enjoy this treasure it. Be thankful. Um, I just, I can't say enough about what he did for baseball last night and the energy that he injected into um, youth and into the game with that performance. Super fun. It's a shame. He's not in the game tonight or he is in the game tonight. Excuse me. He wasn't voted to the game. Um, It'd be fun to watch him out there in the all-star game tonight as well. Uh, but yeah, thanks Julio for an incredible experience. Um in the Home Run Derby last night. Super, super fun, super important to the Mariners, super important to the success of Major League Baseball. Once again, thanks for listening. This was the Mariners cast. Uh, I am presented by Sports Ethos. You can find me on Twitter at Junior 20 That's T-I-N-O-J-R-2-0 and the podcast at Ethos Mariners, EthosMariners, E-T-H-O-S-M-A-R-I-N-E-R-S. Enjoy your Tuesday afternoon, enjoy the All-Star Game, uh, enjoy Seattle the sunshine. Take care, you guys.